Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland, obviously we've got some teams going to state tournaments. Uh, no region champions, unfortunately, but we do have two teams advancing to the states in basketball. And I think, you know, we talked about what was realistic and what was hopeful. Um the two teams are the Stanton boys and the gap girls. The uh, gap boys did come up short in their pursuit of getting to a state tournament. Um, they lost to Franklin. And again, I, I still think it's a good year for gap boys. Um, maybe given how hot they'd started, we were thinking early on, this is a team that could go to States, but as the season kind of went on, you could see the consistency just wasn't there. And I, I think that's kind of what happened is they got, because they lost some games that maybe they shouldn't during the regular season, it put them in a bad spot in terms of seeding. Yeah. If they could have been that two or three seed, I would have felt better about it going in. But I mean, with Alta Vista actually winning that region in the end, um, beating Franklin, the team that beat Buffalo gap, you know, maybe that was the wrong assumption as well. So, you know, a little bit tougher competition from down that way than we've seen in a lot of years, not every single year, there's been some good teams that have come out, but, um, I'll give Alta Vista credit as a two seed winning that thing. I didn't see that coming out of them. Now it was a close game and, and whatnot. So that was good. But, you know, I I was optimistic for Buffalo Gap. Uh, they're going to stay in class one. You know, we kind of do this at the end of all these seasons. We we do talk about what's these next steps with classification. Buffalo Gap's is the team that's sticking at class one, and they'll be the only team in our area at class one. And, you know, all six of our other teams will be between class two and three. Uh, so I think Buffalo Gap will continue to get good experience through the season, uh, you know, with some tougher competition than what they see in most of the playoffs. And I think they'll have a chance again at some point. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it'll be try- trying to replace. I don't know if that point is next year, but um, I do think maybe not. Yeah, I do think this Buffalo Gap boys team can expect to make some state tournaments uh, over the next four years, I would say. Um, but yeah. Let's talk about the positives. Stanton boys, um, they did not win the region. Um, they played Spotswood. Um, and that, that's a game that ends closer than 10, but you watched more of this game than I did. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're t- I know when we were talking about it, your takeaway was it just kind of felt like Spotswood was able to keep them at arm's length the whole game. Yeah, they got that, you know, six, seven-point lead. And, you know, obviously – a basket here and there cuts into that or it gets wider, but it just seemed kind of like that seven point milestone was hard for Stanton to get over. And they never really did. So uh, yeah, they, they end up losing by what is that eight there. Um, and it's just kind of like how the game went. It kind of got there, I think during the second quarter and just kind of stayed that way the, the rest of the way. And I mean, Stanton was competitive. They made big shots. You know, I appreciate what Sims does and the cable kid, like they, they have some great pieces. Um, it's just hard now that we're at the state level, you know, I know Spotswood's good. They just lost to Spotswood. Well, now at the state level, you know, now they're facing cave spring who, who is going to be very tough 22 and five, according to max preps. I thought I saw a better record than that somewhere else. Um, it's assuming max preps is right, which might be a bad assumption. Um, cave springs, very good. Northside, Very good. I think they had their first loss to was to cave spring just the other night. And that's why Northside's the two seed. Um, and Northside, both of these teams, very 
traditional with winning basketball. I, I mean, Cape Spring in that where JJ Redick went. So, yes. you know, just a lot of success coming out of those p- programs for a long period of time. I think Spotswood and Stanton both that have their hands full. Spotswood with Northside and Stanton going down to Cape Spring. Um, so even if somehow Stanton and, and Spotswood find a way to advance, it's just going to get that much harder in the next game. And, and, and so I, as much as I'd like to sit here and say, I, I think Stanton has a chance. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that game looks like for Stanton to win. They're going to have to play their best game of the season um, to win better than they played Spotswood the other night. And so I'm just not sure what that recipe is. I'm sure, you know, coach Mickens is coming up with that recipe and he's talking to his team, you know, outside of the obvious, you know, what kind of strategical approach do they take, you know, longer possessions, try to minimize the amount of possessions in a ball game. That's what you sometimes do with a better team. Um, you know, more defensive pressure, full court, stuff like that. So I'll be interested to watch that game on Friday uh, on an FHS and see what they can do to, you know, give themselves a chance in that game. I, I know coach Mickens enough to know that he's going to give his kids the best chance. I just, you know, then it's the execution against a really good number one seed coming out of 3d. It is a really good number one seed. And I'm not saying Stanton can is going to win this game, but I think this actually worked out in Stanton's favor, really, because you get a cave spring team that I know just beat Northside, but I'm not sure if they play that game again, that's how that goes. I, I think Northside is right. the better team right. out of those two. So for Stanton, I think you get, you actually you don't win the region, but you get to play the team that's not as good. And for Spotswood, I think this is a nightmare scenario because I I could very well see them getting bounced by Northside, yeah. even though they're at home. Um, at least they get it at home, and Spotswood plays really well in that gym, and they played a lot of big games up there. So I, I do give that as like you know a, a positive twinge, but you know it's not a, a game decider by any means. Yeah, I, I just don't like their their chances there. Um, the other team. That Friday. Is, that game's Friday. Yes. Uh, both of those games are Friday. Yep. Um, the other team that made it to a state tournament is the Buffalo Gap Girls. And you watched a lot of this one, too. Uh, and this was a game where Buffalo Gap was winning and then kind of slipped away from them. And uh, so they weren't able to beat Rappahannock County. And now they'll just play regular old Rappahannock. And um, <laughs> see if they fare better without the word county at the end. And the, the first half had games of runs, and, and so did the second half. But Gap was winning at halftime, and it, kind of the way they made that run before the half to take the lead, and then the way they came out of the gate in the second half, I thought, okay, they, they got it together. You know, they they figured it out, and they're going to be good. And they just went cold. They, they got up, I think, by 11 in the third quarter and then never scored again that period and didn't score many more in the whole game. And uh, Rappahannock County just absolutely closed the door, won the game, put it out of reach at the end. So just credit to them. And, and this is what happened to Buffalo Gap last year. I mean, we Buffalo mm-hmm. Gap played in the state championship game last year, but they lost a region final, I believe, at home last year to Rappahannock County. And then they came back and, you know, beat Surrey. And then I think they took down Rappahannock County on the second time they faced each other. Um, so I, I'm not closing the door on the Bison here. I think – you know, maybe they needed that some some version of that. They know they've done it before. They can have that confidence of pointing to last year with a lot of the girls in the locker room can point to like, hey, we did this last year. We can do it again. They got to go on the road. They got to go to Rappahannock to do it. But they went to Surrey last year. So I, I don't think those travel times are that much different. Again, Friday night there. Um, 
you know, I'd be surprised if it's not another rematch against Rappahannock County. Seeing the success they had during the last game, I wouldn't say they couldn't win that game. So I, I do have a lot of hope for Buffalo Gap to, to get to that point there. Um, you know, if, if they're able to do it, you know, they would have the game Friday and then we'd be talking about their next game next week because it'd be next Monday or Tuesday. So we'll have time to talk about it then. I, I haven't looked too much further past, you know, these next two games just because that's the teams we have. You know, I, I know class two is loaded. They lost to Honeaker last year. So I, I, you know, we have to see what's coming up ahead of them. But I think in the short term, and that's probably all they're looking at is just travel on Friday, take care of business and see what that gets you. Yeah. And that's kind of all you can do, right? Is just um, win the games ahead of you and see where you, where the next game is after that. And, and and the way they shoot with Avery Bradley just knocking them down, and, and they got the tally girl, the Hannah Kaufman. I mean, they they have talent all over the court. They can really get the outside shot going. You can beat a lot of teams if you have a good night, but you can also lose to every team if you have a bad night. So it's just like they're a little bit streaky. Yeah, and uh, I would say not as streaky as the boys. I think that's why they've had more success. Um. But definitely, there are some characteristics of long stretches where they just don't seem to find the basket. And that's that can be problematic when you get into a state tournament. They definitely depend on that three-point shot quite a bit. Uh, I mean, they, it just just watching them rim out all night the other night. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about college hoops. Uh, with Let's start with the guys. Uh, Virginia Tech. Um, look, way not to waste any wins. Down the stretch, I guess, is the the positive way to spend it. Save all your wins for the ACC tournament because that's going to be the only way you make it anyway. But the Miami game didn't go well. The Duke game was pretty atrocious. And honestly, seeing the highlights of the Duke game, Leland, and I know those are highlights, and Duke wins the game, so there's going to be more positive plays of Duke than Tech plays. But it kind of just further drove home the point that I know we've talked about on this podcast and I've talked about to you in particular is – this team away from Castle Coliseum just flat out is not a good basketball team. Yeah, they there wasn't a whole lot to build on in the last game. The moments, you know, the good plays, the you know, the reason they only lose by fifteen or whatever it is, you know, there's those moments, but you know, piecing them together is just not there. And that's something they've really rode that momentum at home time after time this year. We've seen that, and so yeah, when you play a road game at Duke, which is hard for anybody to mm-hmm. roll into and not, I'm not saying like be affected. Ne- negatively, but also not amp yourself up too much where maybe you're trying to do too much. I mean, kind of the both sides of that. And in either way, Duke takes a great advantage of that. And they, they know how to lure your into that position and, and take advantage. So yeah, it wasn't the greatest trip to Durham for the Hokies. I've, I've been madder coming out of there um, on closer and further apart games, but uh, yeah, it's all that matters is winning during the ACC tournament at this point. So those losses really don't make that big a difference. I'd love for the Hokies to get to move up a seed, I think, to that 11 spot. They're in the 12 spot right now. I'd like them to move to that 11 spot just because I like that path just a a touch more um, because I think they could have games where they could afford not to play those knockout games that we've won against good teams along the way. I'd rather not have like a, just the Duke, the UVA, the ones that we're going to be emotional about anyway, I wouldn't mind like a a Clemson swath down there. So either way, we're going to play teams that are ranked higher than us and have to win them. And uh, we got to win them all to get to that tournament. 
it's not something I'm planning on. It's not something I'm sitting here saying we can do. It's not something I really have actual hope for. Um, but that's the only path. Uh, I hope we don't play ourselves out of the NIT. I think that's the phrase I used uh, yesterday talking about tech basketball. Oh, I don't think it's an IT team. Playing at Louisville and Florida State this week, both teams around us are lower than us in the record, right around us uh, in the standings. I, I'd like to see some wins this week just to feel confident that going to the NIT, we would have anything. I don't think this is an NIT team. Yeah. I, w- I, I thought we'd still hold on there, but. I think you got to win like two games. I don't have the NIT selects anymore. It's smaller field than it used to be, isn't it? It is. That's why I don't think yeah, they're going to make I'm, it. I'm talking old school. So I, yeah, when you're shaking your head, then I'm remembering that I've forgotten how the NIT is a little different than it used to be. Yeah, I just I don't think this I don't think this team is going to make it. Um, I think they would have to. I mean, they might have to win out, and then they would probably have to win two ACC tournament games. I don't know if that's in this team. I'm hoping one. ACC tournament win. I don't think there's two in them. Um, but, uh, you know, time will tell. I, I would be surprised if they're an NIT team. But UVA, they kind of let the one seed slip away from them this week with losses at Boston College and at UNC. Boston College is the real head scratcher. UNC, you're like, okay, I mean, as bad as North Carolina has been this year, they definitely have the talent. It's just, for whatever reason, the but the right buttons aren't being pressed there. Um, that being said, North Carolina's had a much better week here, and it feels kind of like that. Don't let them sneak into the tournament kind of thing happening at in Chapel Hill right now, which feels like that might be happening. Um, but they've got Clemson at home, who is on the slide, and Louisville at home this week. I would be stunned if UVA doesn't win both of those games at home. But that being said, I really was stunned that they lost both games on the road last week. Yeah, Clemson was tougher at the beginning of the year. They're they're not nearly playing at the level they were in January. So yeah, you'd expect UVA to beat that win that game in heaven, obviously Louisville. So I mean the biggest news out of UVA happened today with their uh former coach Terry Holland passing away. And, you know, I, I have to trust uh, what other people say about Terry Holland because I just wasn't a fan of college basketball when he was head coach at UVA. So I, I didn't root against him uh, for his coaching career like I would have if I, if I was, uh, you know, born and or old enough to uh, enjoy his time there. I know him to be a great coach, all the, the stories. I mean, he was there when Ralph Sampson was there. They went to Final Fours. They won ACC championships. So obviously a great ACC coach and uh, all that. I, I'm not taking anything away from him. I just I don't have a lot to say on it because I just didn't watch him play. So I'm I'm sure there's other outlets. I'm sure, um, you know, uh, Barber and them will be Barber and Teal will talk about it a good bit on their podcast this week. There's a plug for their podcast because I'm sure they'll give it the right right justice. But I, I mean, I respect an ACC coach, you know, from from long ago, uh, you know, passing away, and that's that's sad. That's a loss for UVA community. He was an AD for them after that. So he definitely had strong long-term ties with UVA. So a big loss for the university. And uh, I know a lot of people are upset about it and remembering the good times and, uh, and they should. And so I, I'll, you know, honor them that way, but also point our listeners to a better source than what I'm, what I have to say from, uh, you know, when I was three years old, when he was coaching. <laughs> yeah. And um, the reason I say that I think UVA may have played themselves out of the one seed oh. is they yeah. right now they're tied with losses 
with Miami. Miami has one game left. That's Pitt. Pitt is a game ahead of them. They would need Pitt to lose. Well, th- there's no way because Miami has a tiebreaker over UVA and Pitt would have a tiebreaker over UVA. So there's no way for them to get that one seed now. Um, and honestly, the one seed's going to come down to that Miami Pitt game, I would imagine, uh, at the end of the year. That's the last game for both of those teams, which will be a, a great one. Looking over at the JMU guys, uh, they start that Sunbelt tournament this week. Uh, they had a, they split last week, losing to Marshall, beating Georgia State. They are the four seed in the Sunbelt. They'll wait on the winner of uh, Troy's game, who's the five seed, and they'll Troy will play either the winner of Coastal or Arkansas, Arkansas State. So a little bit to be getting you to catch up on um, by the time we know who they're going to play. That game will be their first game of the tournament will be Saturday at two o'clock. So they have all kind of all week to watch and see what these other teams are doing. That tournament starts on Tuesday and we'll talk about more about the girls, but Tuesday, the guys and girls play and then the girls play Wednesday. The guys play Thursday. The girls play Friday. The guys play Saturday. So um, it's an interesting way to do the tournament. I really like it. Uh, it's the good, interesting. Um, but so it's going to be fun to watch that Sunbelt this week. It is going to be fun. And I think, with the guys, you know, splitting wasn't what they had hoped coming into the week, but you got that four seed, which is the double buy, which you kind of need to have a realistic yeah. expectation, I think, in the Sun Belt this year with it being as congested as it is at the top. So uh, I, I think, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility for this men's team to win the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. I don't know if I would predict it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Open for it. Sure. Uh, I think the double buy helps talking about the women um you and i got confused and we had a back and forth where i think we were confused with each other on what each other was saying <laughs> virginia tech on facebook had said we're the number two seed and i didn't bother to check the standings because i was like oh if they put that on there obviously they know more than me they're the number two seed in the acc tournament and then you're like yeah no i saw that but that's that can't be right and yeah, there's too many teams <laughs> yeah sure enough uh they're the three seeds so um yeah. They still get a double buy in the ACC, which is great. Um, I still don't think they're going to win that ACC tournament, but I think they'll have a respectful showing. I don't think they're going to lose their first game. So I think that's what's important for Tech in terms of getting a decent seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I mean, they had a good experience at the ACC tournament a year ago, so I'm hoping they're going to build on that. They had a big game against UNC last year with like a game winner. And, and I, I'm, I've seen a lot of them kind of building off of the experience they've had. I think that's what coach Brooks did at JMU. And I think we've already seen him do that at tech. And, you know, they're the three seed in their part of the bracket. If they're able to advance that first game, likely they're going to play Duke, the two seed. Uh, That's a team they just beat a couple weeks ago. So can beat them very possible and don't have a problem with that. Notre Dame's the one seed. That's who you're probably watching out for in the championship game. If you're able to make, make it to that spot, they did lose to them earlier in the season. It's been Virginia tech's playing a lot better basketball than they played back then. Notre Dame might be too. So I think getting to that championship game would be great and then see what happens. Get in that game, see what happens. Notre Dame, very good program, national seed kind of program. Um, so I, I want to get in that game. That's that's kind of my I don't it's kind of weird how I say my goals and my hopes. I mean, hope hope they win the thing, but like if they make it to that championship game, I'll be pretty satisfied with what they did. Um, you know, making the most of what they can and I like to see what happens in that game, but I'll, I'll be pretty satisfied even if they're just in that game. Yeah. I think that's a, that would be a good 
showing for Virginia Tech. Um, UVA, they're going to play Wake Forest in the first round of the ACC women's tournament. If they win, they get Florida State. Um, it just hasn't quite been the year UVA women had hoped for, especially when things were going well in the non-conference portion of the oh, schedule. They started out. They started out like what? 11 and 0 or something. Yeah. I mean, almost all their losses came. Well, it was all their losses came in conference play. Um, so yeah. that's, uh, disappointing for them. I'm sure. I think they were hoping to have a better season and it, you know, with injuries and the way the ACC is, it can kind of chew you up. And I think that's what just happened to the Cavaliers women this year. That being said, yeah, like we say for all these teams and I'm going to say for VCU when we get there, um, win the conference tournament, you're in the NCAA tournament. So just yep. get hot at the right time. Um, this is the college sport. You have a chance no matter what. <laughs> it is. Yep. Uh, over to the JMU women. Uh, now they are the one seed in the Sun Belt. And uh, there's, I think, three teams that tied with the same record, but they, JMU, had the tiebreakers between them all. So they are the one seed there in the Sun Belt. Uh, they did lose a game to Marshall on uh, Friday night to make it interesting going into Saturday or Sunday, whenever they posted the bracket of uncertainty, if they would still be the one seed, but everything fell the right way. They stay the one seed. They wait until Friday to play. And uh, that's when they'll take on um, the winner of the Marshall coastal Carolina game, the eight, nine game there. That's a 1230 a day game on Friday. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, you know, lunchtime catching that on ESPN plus. And, you know, when you're the one seed, you have a lot of hope of winning a conference tournament. And, I, you know, obviously we probably have more confidence in the women coming out of the Sun Belt than yes. we do the guys. But it's going to be tough. I mean, we talked about the top-loaded guy side, top-loaded women's side, too. I mean, the, when I say three teams with the same record, you know, that's the one through three seeds all had the same record. They beat up on each other during the year. It's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. Yeah, I do think if I, you know, if you're telling me one JMU team is going to make the tournament, it's going to be the women. Uh, I think they're in a, obviously they're the one seed. So that's one reason to have more faith. And I just think they've played a little better basketball down the stretch. This loss against Marshall to close the season. Yeah. That's, the, that's the biggest excluding. flaw. And else kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they could actually do really well. And I think should they have a rematch, they will probably pound Marshall in the Sunbelt conference tournament uh, would be my guess uh, because there would be no sneaking up factor there. And then yeah, for, I think they just took their foot off the gas Friday, which was wrong, but they did. Right. Uh, for the VC women, they lost another tough game to LaSalle by three points. Uh, their two losses, uh, Richmond and LaSalle, were games they won earlier in the season. Uh, the Richmond game was a lot closer than the final score. Uh, they just kind of went on – Richmond went on a run there late to kind of put that one away, but it, it had been pretty close, I'd say, within – three to five points uh, and VCU had been leading back and forth there a little bit too for most of the second half. And then, like I said, in the fourth quarter, Richmond goes on a run and just kind of puts that one away. LaSalle was a game. They were behind early, came back, got close, just couldn't make the three. They needed to tie it at the end. So now they have to play Dayton, who is a team they lost to at home earlier this year, a few weeks ago. Dayton only has six available players. I know VCU is hopeful that Sarah Tibiasa will be back for the A-10 tournament. I'm, I just, you know, obviously I'm not talking to the coaches about that right now, and I don't know if she will be able to play or not. I know 
there was hope that she would be able to play in the A10 tournament. And if they if she plays, I would imagine they definitely come back and beat Dayton. If Sierra Tibiasu doesn't play, I would hope they could still beat Dayton. That game uh, where they lost at home earlier in the year was just kind of a game. And this has been the problem for VCU. They play pretty good defense, but sometimes the offense just doesn't click and the offense goes silent and shots are off and just can't buy a basket. I think for VCU, playing a team with six available players, as long as you're not down 11 points at the end of the first quarter, you, you got to like your chances a little bit better. So I would think they will not be down 11 points at the end of the first quarter again against Dayton. And uh, they probably come away with a win. If they do win that game against Dayton, they would play Richmond, a team that, again, they've played tight twice, beat once, uh, and who knows what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm rooting for them, but yeah, I I'm hoping they're taking their lumps this year and next year come back firing because it was so it was fun last year, kind of rooting for them since you had been calling them all year and we haven't had that as much this year, so I'm hoping it's building up for next year. But you know, after last week, you were kind of listing off all the teams. You know, we talked about my hope for Virginia Tech to you know be in a position to be in the Final Four. Um, I made a point of looking at some of the schedule and seeing that Indiana and Iowa are playing this weekend. I made a point of watching that game and I watched three quarters of that game. Um, and uh, that, you know, it's high level basketball. That's for sure. And uh, I mean, both of those good teams, I, Iowa won that game with the last second C- Caitlin Clark shot. They deserved it. The ball didn't lie because uh, Iowa had gotten kind of messed up on a call right before that. And Indiana had taken a lead at the free throw line with minimal time left, but I, I, I finally caught up with these women's uh, college basketball rules where they do have the timeout. You can advance the ball to get it at half court. And so you have that much better chance to get a good looking shot there at the end. Iowa takes full advantage, knocks it down. And so, yeah, I mean, I acknowledge those teams are good. I still want to see Virginia tech get to the point to where they can play one of those teams. And so that's like an elite eight kind of area. And right now they're projected as a, like a two seed in the tournament. So, you know, they could beat teams ranked lower than them and get to that spot. So I, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, you know, it's fun watching Virginia Tech on Thursday beat Miami. Um, uh, the women beat Miami, or not Miami, UNC with a last second shot. Uh, Kately hit that game winning shot. And that was fun to watch. So I have faith that if we get in a tight game, even against one of those top level teams that we're, we're not going to shy away. We'll be ready for that, that, hitting a big shot because we have a lot of players that seem eager to do that. So that's what I'm hoping for. It was a fun watching that game on Sunday was fun. We watched game day with the girls before we went to our own game. I really love that ESPN's doing that with the women's uh, on Sunday, having the college game day for the women's games. I think that's really, really cool. Really good. Um, but there was a lot of hype for that game and, and it lived up. I mean, 86, 85 final with a game winner. I'd, I'd say that lived up. Yeah. And that would be good. Um, Hopefully they can find a way to, as you said, have a good ACC tournament. Because I think that if they do, yeah. then I think Help that seed, yeah, they've got a great chance to host uh, the first two games of a NCAA tournament. Because the way they do the women's tournament is the top seed of that little cluster of the bracket uh, gets to host, and so that's a great opportunity for Virginia Tech. Uh, we it's been a while since they've been able to do that. I, I was in college and they were able to do that, uh, but that's a long time ago now. So, <laughs> yeah, and we should say, you know, with JMU being the one seed, they are 
while we're talking bracketology, they would be the four or 14, excuse me, um, projected as of right now. And that would be going to Durham to take on Duke. So yikes, but still, um, better to be there hey, and play get Duke. In that position. I'll sit here and tell you, I was going to say better to win, be there so. and have to play Duke than not be there at all. So exactly. Uh, talking about NCAA baseball, which started, uh, well, technically started last week, but VCU had their home opener this week. So I got to watch VCU for the first time this year. Um, how are they looking? Wasn't the best series. Uh, they got swept by sacred heart, which is, was not expected, but the bats looked good. Uh, Will Carlone is back. Cooper Benson is back. Those are names familiar to Stanton Braves fans as well, because they played in the Valley there. Uh, Logan Amos is a name familiar to fans of the Valley because he's played in Charlottesville forever. Um, And those are guys that had pretty good series. Uh, Carlone in particular racked up a ton of RBIs, uh, leads the team in RBIs here in the early portion of the season. They go to Chapel Hill this week in a rematch of their regional against UNC. And then they will be at home this weekend again uh, for three games against three different opponents. They'll play Kinesis, uh, WVU, and then they will play Fairfield, a team they've already beaten this year when they played in another tournament uh, at Coastal Carolina. So they're going to look to rebound this weekend and this week against UNC. I was watching a little bit of the Hokies. They uh, they have got Bryant this weekend. I think they, they got that series win. Um, they're ranked 11th with the new rankings today, UVA 19th. Uh, eight teams in the ACC ranked in the top 25 for baseball. So a lot of opportunity for the Hokies, uh, who, who I want to look good, uh, against good teams this year. So that'll be fun throughout the season. Um, something to look forward to. On the softball side, the women were ranked 12th last week. I didn't see an updated ranking come out today. Um, but they lead the nation in home runs with 27 and uh, with their 11 and four record. So found that they're, they're dependent on that lawn ball for sure. And uh, all their losses are to good teams. They're 11 and four, but all four of those losses to, I think one to UCLA, one to Texas, Oklahoma state, all top 10 teams. Um, So not, you know, you want to win some of those too, like they did when they played Texas the second time they beat them. Um, But, you know, they're getting that good experience right now. And obviously still going to be ranked up, you know, a top 25 team. So, that experience is good, but the JMU side of things, they had a great weekend after those first two weekends with some bumps and some learning. Um, they went five and zero this weekend at the NC state tournament. So I was really happy to see that uh, Humphrey had 31 strikeouts in the, uh, in three games. Uh, she started two and relieved in another. So really doing well on the mound. And that's, that's what they need out of her. Uh, they're eight and three on the season. They have that Carolina classic this week where they'll get, UNC twice and Purdue twice. So some big opportunities there against power five schools. So I'm anxious to see how they fare there, but you know, I think we're setting up for another, you know, interesting spring of diamond sports for our local NCAA teams. So um, I'm excited about that. And we'll hopefully, you know, once we get into the conference season, be able to dig into that a little bit deeper and we get out of, you know, an NCAA basketball tournament too. So. Yeah, I think so too. That'll be nice. Um, That'll that'll do it for the sports section, um, because we're flying tonight, Mac, aren't we? Yeah, Matt. Well, that happens when neither one of us are feeling great. Um, we don't feel good, and we get the heck out of here. 
<laughs> but I'll give you an, I'll give you an extra one down here then. Uh, yeah, Mac uh, I'll leave it off with positive, positive and negative, bittersweetness. Okay. Uh, the little league team did not get the big victory this weekend. We finished second. Uh, we lost failure. the championship game. Um, I, I've I've convinced myself it wasn't due to coaching. Mm. Uh, others might argue though, but no, all the parents are really nice uh, to hear at the end of the season. Um, how happy they were with how the team went this year. Uh, it, it felt good to hear some of those comments and we traded the girls. Stephanie made t-shirts for them with all their names on them and we had cupcakes. So even, even in the loss, we still had a good little celebration and that was fun. And uh, Thursday night, they really battled that team. They ended up playing for the championship. Um, but then on Sunday, it was a little bit more of a separation and, uh, but they still battled to the end, right? When the clock was, striking zero. We had just stolen the ball and we're getting up the court. And, uh, so they really fought right to the end. So I appreciate that. But then we roll right into uh, my oldest playing all stars and another kid from our team playing all stars. And I, I seem to know all these kids on the all-star team now. So we had their first practice tonight. No, no sleep. Uh, just get out there and start going and really excited for, uh, to not be coaching that and be able to sit back and watch that as a dad. So, uh, that's, that's, what's coming up for me is some all-star basketball practices, and then we'll have a big tournament here in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, that'll be good. Um, I wanted, I meant to mention this earlier, so I'll, I'll do it now that I forgot, but wanted to give a shout-out to L.C. Bird, uh, my broadcast partner for women's basketball games at VCU, also is the coach at L.C. Bird, and uh, they won their region in Class 5. Awesome. Uh, so they will be going on to the state tournament and hosting a state tournament game. Uh, Very cool. And so just wanted to give them a shout out and congrats to my partner, Jacinda Alston. She does a great job on there with you. So I'm, I'm happy she's as good a uh, coach as she is a uh, color commentator. Cause I, I know what it's like sitting in that chair next to you. It's not always uh, easy <laughs> with those side eyes that you throw out there. So I'm glad she handles I give well. less side eyes to her than I do you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and then I think the third topic we can both probably, I'll ask if you <laughs> want to do that next or uh, after. lead the conversation, buddy. But the DC defenders in the XFL with another great come from behind win, uh, fell behind early, came back thanks to Derek King. I'm watching the XFL broadcast, and they keep saying like, you know, do you think they're going to stick with this other guy and just keep bringing Derek King in in the second half and, you know, using both guys and the guys like, Oh, I think it's a great idea. Mixed defenses, you know, have to prepare for both guys. I was like, I think it's a terrible idea or you could do that. Or you could just blow the team out by playing your better player. I, there's so much better with Derek King is in the game. It's not even funny. Like I, the fact that they keep throwing this other guy out there, I'm just like, I don't, we might've found a, you know, poor man's version of Justin Fuente to be the coach. I don't know. Like, I will say this. What also helped is uh, Greg Williams, you know, may or may not have had bouncy gate going on in the XFL now because they knock out the Vegas quarterback early. Backup comes in. That offense is done scoring. Um, In fact, their only points were when uh, the other quarterback who started the game fumbled and gave him an extremely short field. So, again, that's another reason not to have him in. Uh, but the Vegas plays in a rodeo stadium and it was raining in Vegas, which is not something that usually happens. So the field, like players were, you could just tell like the footing was not great. And um, 
it was weird to see a football game played in a rodeo arena. Uh, but the running game was working for the DC defenders. That defense is awesome. And uh, let's go defenders. Make us a dog again next week. You won't Vegas, you cowards. Sure. There's not that many overs happening in that XFL, is there? Uh, it depends on the game. That one had no chance of being an over uh, once I saw the weather and the fact that DC's offense isn't what I would call a high-scoring offense. They did hit the over in week one, but um, that was thanks to Ben DiNucci throwing a bunch of picks <laughs> in his own, deep in his own territory, including a pick six. But I will say, like, I've the the bits of XFL I've gotten to watch, I've enjoyed. I think there's some rule changes that are nice. I would like to see some of them into the NFL. Um, I like that the XFL, when there's a review, you are hearing what the head official is looking at. You're hearing him go through it. Uh, now, it is Dean Blandino, so sometimes you'll go, well, that's still not right, and <laughs> you would be correct, but it is nice to hear at least what they're thinking rather than have the two guys on TV talk about it, guess, and then let's see what happens when it comes back. Um, but, yeah, I think I've enjoyed it so far. I, I hope it keeps doing well and gets better as the season goes on. Yeah. Something that I, I think will get better as the season goes on is everybody's getting all worked up about these MLB rule changes. And I know we talked about them last week, but seeing them in action this week, and, and there was some low-hanging fruit. You know, the Braves – um, Red Sox game ended on one of these new rule changes with uh, the uh, batter not being mm-hmm. set and ready to go in the proper amount of time, according to the clock. You know, I, I just I think so, that's just going to play itself out. We're going to get through spring training. I think even a couple of weeks into spring training, we're just going to see it's going to not be as big of an issue and people will be used to just the rules being there. And people will be acting within those rules. And when people are acting within these rules, it's just going to look like baseball. It's not going to look like something else. It's not going to, we're not going to be worried about the clock. It's just going to be going. So I, I think it's interesting. I mean, NLB is quick to beat their chest that, Hey, these games, like, you know, all 15 games finished faster than the average MLB game last year. Well, yeah, it's also spring training and people might be rushing themselves right now. They can only got 15 seconds and they're pitching it like, seven seconds into the pitch clock and they'll, they'll get a better feeling for that time and the pace. So I, I wouldn't, you know, just bank on every game being under two hours or under three, whatever it is, two fifteen or whatever it is. So, um, and I, I, I think it does help move it along, but you know, let it all kind of play out before you make judgments on it is, was what I would argue with people that are quick to be yelling about it right now. And, um, I, yeah, I, I think it's all right. Yeah, and I saw some people freaking out and saying, you know, if this was, you know, a playoff game and that's how a playoff game inning ended with the bases loaded, it's a called strike three to end the inning. Um, people would be losing their minds. And I maybe, but I would be mad at the batter. You know the rule at yeah. that point in the year. Um, and, and, and this is like anything else. 40 game, I mean, 162 regular season games yeah. before that week. Point. This is like anything else. Like, Major League Baseball is just going to have to get serious about it. Like, they want this rule change. They've got to call it. Like, the umpires on the field have to call it. When they said it was at the umpire's discretion before, it wasn't being enforced. So now Major League Baseball is saying this clock is here. It will be visible. Let's call it. Like, and so that's what they need. They need this. They need this to be called. And I know the MLB diehards are freaking out 
and you know this is going to kill the game and blah blah blah. I- I've got news for you, folks. Your sport is fading. There is a projection that within the next four years, MLB will be behind soccer in this country. So, for all those people that and ba- baseball people say this all the time, you know, oh, soccer's dumb. Soccer's soccer's boring. Baseball is boring. Baseball is a super long game where not a lot happens, and even less with analytics. The TV ratings for soccer in this country are going up across the board. That's national team, Premier League, MLS, and women's national team. All those are going up. Baseball is going down. That is going to, they're going to meet in the not-too-distant future. Your attendance is down. MLB, for whatever reason, loves to continue to have a blackout policy to their games if you don't have cable. Those networks are about to completely black out. Yeah, so. and those some of those cable networks are going out of business. And now Major League Baseball is trying to figure out who to put in. Comcast, who owns a lot of the NBC Sports regional networks, have, has already said they don't want to go into those markets. Uh, AT&T wants out. AT&T doesn't want – yeah, AT&T doesn't want to do this anymore. It's just – it's laughable. A smart person would tell Major League Baseball, hey, either sell all the games to a streaming service like the MLS did or you have this thing called MLB TV. Just have it, all of it in-house, and you take the money directly. And you get rid – in both of those options, you get rid of the stupid blackout rule that you have had that kills your sport. But, again, those are good ideas, which means they will never get to the MLB brass, and they will never be implemented. Major League Baseball is going to die in this country, and it's going to be because of, one, dinosaurs, and two, the leadership in the league just being completely boneheaded. Um, these rule changes are not going to be what kills it. I Honestly, I think the pitch clock is great. I think it's banning the shift is a decent idea. I want to see how it plays out um, and how teams try to find ways around it before I say it's a success or not. But honestly, anything that maybe has more line drives and balls in play and isn't, you know, home run or strikeout, I think is good for the game. So, I, I think that's another rule change that people are freaking people are freaking out about that I'm like, I, I guess I just don't share the same doom and gloom aspect with that rule change. The only one that's kind of odd to me is the bigger bases, but again, it's not gonna be enough to make me go, Well, I'm never gonna watch baseball now. So I didn't even notice that this weekend. I didn't, didn't even yeah. pay attention to that. So we'll see how that goes too. Now to the topic that you and I have probably talked the most about uh to each other offline since last week and i think the story kind of hit the hit the papers right after we recorded last week alabama basketball they had a player i believe the player that committed a murder not so long ago was formerly on the team mm-hmm. and that murder was uh, with a with a gun and another player on the team owns that gun. And that player is still active on the team. That is not the so, way I read it. I read the player who did the murder, committed the murder with his own weapon. But the player in question that is still playing brought that gun to the scene. Okay. So maybe a little bit of words having a problem there. Either way, <laughs> an active player for the team delivered a weapon to somebody right before a murder was happened, no matter who owned it. I swear I heard it the other way, but that's fine. I'll go with just that. God, it might actually make it worse. Um, 
They have chosen to let that player continue to play. He's played two games since I've known about this. And I sit there from moment one wondering how the heck you let this kid continue to play basketball, represent your school while this is getting figured out. The best case scenario, this kid is completely innocent. Why not let him focus on the legality of the situation, be available to anybody asking questions with the law about this to, to prove his innocence and him not being involved, not have him distracted with road games in the SEC or just playing in the SEC for a week or two. I say two, but any amount of time. That's the best case scenario. The, any kind of bad case scenario, you never absolutely shouldn't have had him in the uniform after you knew about this. And there's still a lot of possibility for this to be negative for this player that is still active. They keep talking about, they keep coming out and saying things and then having to issue press releases after they get done saying them and then, you know, make sure they remind people that they're praying for the family of the victim and all that. If you're letting this other person that delivered a weapon to a murder scene um, soon to be murder scene, continue to play. You're not, you, you obviously don't have the thoughts and prayers for the victim and their family because you're more worried about your basketball team either winning or this kid playing basketball for his future when he needs to focus on his real life future, not, you know, potential game future. I'm just, I'm absolutely flabbergasted at the decision-making. I think the the quote I said to you, my quote was like, when are some adults going to go make decisions down there? And then, you know, on Saturday they have a home game. And so coming out of the introduction line all season, apparently this has been happening, but even still after all this, he's getting like, he comes out, they announce his name, there's smoke and he gets like a player at the end of the line does like a fake pat down of him, Like he's being searched for weapons. Like, when is an adult going to be involved in decision-making and oversight of what's going on down there? And people keep saying, well, the head coach thinks this is the right thing to do. Obviously, the head coach thinks this is the right thing to do. It's the decision he made. It's, it's just ridiculous. The administration, anybody, the governor, I don't care. NCAA, somebody get this kid away from the team so he can make sure that he is operating within – <laughs> that, that he's given all the information he can to the law to prove his innocence. Cause I hope he is innocent of any knowing that anything was going to happen with that weapon. I, I hope that's the case because something terrible happened and his actions may allowed it to happen. And so he needs to be in the middle of that, not playing basketball for Alabama. Some people might say, well, Alabama, all they care about is winning. They're the number two team in the nation. They're just wanting to make sure they hold if you're the number two team in the nation, that means you can afford to have him sit a week or two. You can afford to not have this player be part of what's going on there because you're in the tournament. You're going to have your chance. Let him figure out his life and deal with that stuff right now instead of having him play basketball because he needs to be more focused on that. Maybe he isn't. Maybe he is more focused on basketball and, and not worried on his life. Then you need to readjust his priorities. Their priorities are wrong. It's just the whole thing, the whole thing. It just makes me sick. I, I haven't really heard much argument in Alabama's favor other than the people at Alabama that are making the decisions. People's opinions that I respect. I mean, like national media people sure. that I like would listen to and nod my head to. I haven't heard a good reason why he should be playing. Yeah. Um, I, I've been pretty surprised at how the whole thing has 
played out. And I was listening to I the person who said it uh, on the podcast that I was listening to escapes me. But um, when he said the NCAA should step in and, you know, whether the, the NCAA on these kind of issues in the past has said, well, you know, technically in our bylaws, you know, no violations have been committed and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, if you're an organization and being involved in a murder is not against your bylaws, then maybe you shouldn't be an organization. Um, and I kind of agree with that. Like we kind of said a similar thing when the Penn state situation was going on. Uh, with Penn State football. Like, the NCAA has to do something. And the NCAA came in and did something. Um, Because sometimes, even though it's not an academic scandal or recruiting violation or anything like that, you kind of just need to be like, you know what? This isn't appropriate to be going on at an NCAA athletic program. And I think what happened at Penn State is is an example of that. And I think what's going on here is an example of that. And I think if we've learned anything is that these programs, and this is why I get worried as much as I don't like the NCAA, I get worried when we talk about these power five conferences are going to pull away and form their own organization because they think the NCAA has too much power and, you know, too many rules or whatever. Uh, Because if we've learned anything here, it's that these schools will not regulate themselves. They will not do it. And, you know, I would imagine only in the state of Alabama is it not a crime to bring a firearm to a scene, that firearm be used at that scene, and you not get in trouble for it. I would imagine that's got to be the only state in the country that's that's a well, where that can happen. Mississippi's next door down there, so I don't know. Yeah, or maybe it's if you play at Alabama or for Mississippi. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe those are the exceptions. I don't know. But it's it's hard to imagine a scenario where any of this makes sense. And like you said, I think while the investigation is going on in particular, I would think this is a huge distraction. It is a huge distraction. You're seeing it on road games, the fans know what's going on and they're, you know, for the coach to say wrong place, wrong time. And his initial comments was mind blowing too. And then you have the South Carolina fans chanting that some Alabama fan tries to fight the entire South Carolina fan base. That doesn't go well for him. And to make matters worse, ESPN needs to have a sit down if they haven't already with whoever is calling an Alabama game. And the line either needs to be, we're not talking about this or this is what you say because for Seth Greenberg's comments to, I mean, that was honestly, that was next time we go to break, I'm having a phone call to the producer saying, I don't care if you have to find the South Carolina Gamecocks radio network guy. We're getting somebody else on there to do color commentary the rest of the game. Because when he said the fans, uh, we just need to be focused on this great basketball game going on. The fans are worried about other stuff going on. And, you know, I would just think we, we need to be thinking about what's respectful of the family and the victim's family. How about that? And I was like, well, I would imagine they probably don't want to see this kid playing if we're being completely honest, Seth. Like, I just, I was, 
honestly, that was a comment that was made that I was, it's just one of those things that when it's said out loud, you're like, well, that's what an idiot would say. And why do you have a microphone? Like, I knew he wasn't yeah. smart from the time he was at Virginia Tech. Like, he did some good things at Virginia Tech, but when he spoke out loud, there were a lot of times where you're like, okay, this guy's not incredibly intelligent. And he's been able to prove that in some of his comments at ESPN behind a desk. And now he's doing games, and he proves it again on national TV, which I, I couldn't believe. When I saw that clip, I watched it because the clip says, a fight breaks out at the South Carolina-Alabama game. This is insane. And I figured, you know, putting two and two together, I was like, I guess it's going to have something to do with Miller. And sure enough, it's it starts in the fan, in the crowd. And then Seth Greenberg's comments get picked up later. And it's just like, holy crap. Um, I Yeah, and like you said, the pat down thing too. When I saw that, I was just like... And I messaged you. I was like, well, he's probably under the... It, impression that there are no consequences for him and it's easy yeah, to understand easy. how he gets that impression because there have been no consequences other than nato says uh it's been addressed and we talked to him and told him that was inappropriate and i was like okay well that's inappropriate but perhaps bringing a firearm to the scene of a murder was apparently not inappropriate and even though that is inappropriate we're also not taking any action on it so got it like i Again, uh, like you said, when is an adult going to make a decision? I don't know if there's adults at Alabama University, if I'm being honest. The University of Alabama so. it would appear to not have adults in the room. And that's correct. upsetting at a public university, even if it is the state that comes in 49th or 50th, depending on the year in terms of education. It's, it's just ridiculous. I. I can't stand it. It just it just plays I, into the if that's the best and brightest we have at Alabama. Stuff, just... And this is I love sports. I said this to you because I was coming back from a basketball game when that story broke. I love sports. This is the part that makes me hate it. Because there is yeah. there are things more important than sports, and sometimes the win at all costs mentality takes over. I know I sit here and joke. I don't care if so-and-so is on the Orioles and cheats or robs a bank. If he helps us win the World Series, whatever. There's obviously a little bit of hyperbole in that. I would very much care if we had a bank robber on our team. Now, coincidentally, we did. His name was Chris Davis, and he's never been charged for it. But yeah, I, knew it. I saw it coming. <laughs> um, I, I don't want someone to commit a felony and then be on my team. It makes it hard to root for them. Um, you don't know. You don't want to Araldis Chapman. Correct. I don't want Araldis Chapman. I know you don't. I know you don't. Um, did you see? <laughs> did you see? He slipped and fell at his house and broke broke his tooth and has a cut on his head. That's a shame. Um, I I I mean, you always hear like people. You know, oh, I fell. Like when they actually got beat the hell out of. I hope someone beat the hell out of him. I hope someone went to his house and beat the hell out of him. And then it was us. Oh, I slipped. I I hope that's what happened. Yeah, it'd be a shame. Um, but it's just this is the part of sports I hate. And again, like if the smartest people in Alabama are at that university and they're coming together and saying, "Yeah, we don't think we should suspend this kid, and we don't think he's done anything wrong," then we need to get a chisel out and just start chiseling at the borders of Alabama and send it into the Gulf of Mexico. I. 
we do not need that kind of stupidity associated with our nation. It's just too stupid. Yeah, it's it's bad down there. I'm hoping. I mean, the thing is, it's not going to get you. Like, it's not like I'm, I don't know what I'm hoping for. It's they have it. They've already they have the opportunity. And barring barring the police changing their mind and charging him with something, I don't think there's they're yeah. going to change. Their, they're not going to change their mind. They're not. It has to be the negative side. It has to be he is. And honestly, given and given the tone that Nate Oates has had, like if he were to get arrested, I wouldn't be surprised if Nate Oates is asking how much bail is. So he can bail him out and have him play in the I'm next game him out. Yeah. while he's on trial. Like, I just, I don't think the right, I don't think no, the priorities no. are straight at the University of Alabama. After Nate Oates said, wrong place, wrong time, you had an, you said something like, I don't know how, like, you can keep coaching after, like, how does he keep his job? And then everything that's proven to you after is like, he's probably going to get promoted after all this. Like. He absolutely. I mean, no one, no one even probably. Told he's going to get a contract extension. To say. Yeah, he's going to get a contract extension. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's just it's ridiculous. I've gone from like rooting for Alabama basketball because I think they were a fun team to watch, and honestly, this player has been a really great. He's a really good basketball player. I've enjoyed watching him. And unlike Alabama football, Alabama basketball isn't a mainstay that stays at the top. So it's like, oh, okay, this is a new team. Maybe they're yeah, cool. He delivers. Yeah. Um. To now, I'm like, I just want them eliminated as quickly as possible. I don't want to watch yeah. that play. I don't want to hear. I don't want to watch this. I don't want yeah. this rewarded. I want this team right. out. Their games have Absolutely. been a lot closer than projected, by the way, against South Carolina and Arkansas. And I'm sorry, I, I can't think that's not because of the distraction that this is. Yep, I hope the distraction eats them up. I hope they get eliminated in the first game of the SEC tournament they play in, and I hope they get bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yep. I agree. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, I do want to remind all our listeners, there's plenty of basketball tournaments starting this week. I know next week everybody looks for, like, the ACC tournament and stuff like that, but a lot of stuff that I'm excited about this week is the Sun Belt men and women starting on Tuesday, mostly on ESPN+. Plus. A-10 women starting on Wednesday. BCU will play at noon. ACC women starts on Wednesday. UVA women will play at 1 p.m. that day. Then within some of those tournaments, we get the JMU women first play on Friday at 1230 during the day on ESPN+. VT women play Friday night at 8 p.m. on ACC Network. JMU men play Saturday at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. So watch out for all those tournaments at the NCAA level. But also don't forget, we got locals. We got Stanton playing Cave Spring Friday night, 7 p.m. Buffalo Gap girls playing Rappahannock Friday night, 7 p.m. Both of those road games. So if you have NFHS, good time to turn into that. Follow people online and make sure you're keeping up with the game or go to them. Drive down there and go to them. I don't care. We'll be talking about those games next week. We'll be setting you up for the ACC tournament. We have all sorts of stuff to talk about. As the season uh, winds down here in the winter, we get spring going. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to us so you can catch all the coverage that we'll have throughout the spring at Yak Sports Pod is how you interact with us. And, and the following that I told you to do on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. Obviously, you found us on one of those places. So make sure you tell your friends that's how they find us. We'll talk to you more next week about all the fun stuff happening here and around Augusta County. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.